welcome to this week's episode of Metaphorically Speaking with Delia Delore. I hope you have all been keeping yourselves busy and enjoying as much of the sunshine and fantastic weather as possible whilst remaining safe, that is. The more we get back on our feet, the more we feel like life itself is returning to normal. Slowly but surely, shops are opening, festivals are starting and restaurants and pubs are filling up. It reflects this week's metaphor perfectly, which is little by little, the bird makes its nest. Our guest this week is the talented Francesca Andre, an incredible photographer and author. Francesca is more than familiar with this week's metaphor. When I think of little by little, the bird makes its nest, I think of the times that I've actually watched them do it and then felt terrible when I've seen gardeners destroying them. Reading our segments also brought back other memories for me, like when my granddaughter broke my laptop with my thesis on it and all my backup files were in that laptop. And I did have an external drive, but it failed. So can you imagine how horrified I was when I realized that I had no other choice but to start again, little by little page by page and in the segment later you will see another example and you'll know exactly why it brought back this kind of memory. This metaphor relates solely to the development of a person, place or thing. The idea that an individual stick can slowly but steadily build to become a giant nest is something that is reflected in today's society well. Think about how long it took to build the Empire State Building. It would have started off as a small model on a table built solely by sticks. Then day by day, it developed into one of the most famous buildings known to mankind. Another French expression similar to our metaphor is Rome wasn't built in a day. This saying can be linked to a variety of other metaphors from all over the world. From Germany, a constant drop can hollow out to the stone, to Africa, drop by drop, the earthen pot gets filled up. And even in Mali in northeastern Africa, their version literally translates back to little by little the bird makes its nest. It seems that the message is true across the world and has even been immortalized in song. In Guinea, the Bembea Jazz National produced a wonderful rumba song about our phrase. And of course, you may be more familiar with music by Oasis. Or maybe Dusty Springfield. 
let's at least use part of the proverb. One person from history who learned the meaning of our phrase is writer Thomas Carlyle in 1835. He took on the challenge of writing an in-depth history of the French Revolution, which took him months to complete and would be his masterpiece. However, Tom Carlyle made the mistake of lending the unpublished manuscript to his friend, John Stuart Mill. A few nights later, there's a knock at the door and Mill is there with no manuscript but a guilty look on his face. Apparently, Mill's servant was cleaning and disregarded Carlyle's hard work as waste paper. So they threw the entire manuscript in the fire and continued about their chores. <laughs> oh God. Oh I, I know the feeling. I said it earlier, remember? Thomas Carlyle was mortified. Of course, years of hard work had literally gone up in flames. How on earth could he rewrite the whole book again? It is said that Thomas Carlyle saw a humble bricklayer building a wall, one brick at a time, and he was inspired. He felt that he could rewrite his book the same way he wrote it before, one page at a time. And he finished it just two years after it had been carelessly destroyed. Although I'm sure he didn't ask Mills to read this version. Everything in life is built little by little, brick by brick, with patience and persistence. Everything takes time and determination. Another key inspiration that reflects our metaphor this week incredibly well is the story of Alan Turing, played by Benedict Cumberbatch in the biopic The Enigma Code. The name Alan Turing might not ring any bells or spark much imagination in your mind, but Alan was one of the main people who turned the tables on the Germans in World War II. He was a fantastic mathematician, born in London in 1912, where he studied at both Cambridge and Princeton University, working part-time for the British government's Code and Cipher School before the Second World War broke out, he joined the Code and Cipher unit full-time in 1939. He was involved in one of the most influential and top-secret projects to ever grace the horror that was World War II, which was cracking the Enigma Code. The Enigma was a type of encoded, ensifering machine that the German armed forces used to send messages secretly and securely. Fortunately for the Allies, the Polish mathematicians had worked out how to read the code and had been able to share this information to the British. However, the Germans' constant increase of security made it harder and harder to crack. Turing worked night and day to develop a machine that would be capable to break this code until one day he finally completed his task. Turing was able to develop the machine that significantly reduced the work of code breakers, meaning the job of seven to nine people could now be done by one machine. Because of Turing's machine, the British were able to decrepit the naval Enigma messages. This meant that every message the Germans sent, the Allied forces could then read. If it wasn't for Turing, this, quite frankly, would be impossible. If it wasn't for the cracking of the Enigma code, there is an incredibly high chance that Germany would have won the war. Alan Turing's story though incredible, also had a very sad ending. He was a homosexual, and in that time this was considered to be a crime. He was chemically castrated, and due to this horrific operation, committed suicide in 1954. 
The legacy of Alan Turing did not come to light until 1990. His impact on computer science changed the face of the world and the fate of the war, and that alone is why he has now become a legend. I was shocked to hear the fate of a man who did so much for the world. Did you know about this? I bet you didn't. The metaphor, little by little, the bird makes its nest, will never be the same for me. Now on to someone else who is incredibly familiar with our metaphor, Francesca Andre. Being an award-winning photographer and writer, Francesca has embodied this metaphor in every way, working and striving to build her nest around her. From photography to film, author and entrepreneur, which role gives you the most enjoyment and why? Oh, Lord, I think all of them uh, uh, played a very significant um, role and have had significant impact in my life. Everything started with uh, me being in front of the camera uh, because at the time I was doing commercial print work and was signed with several modeling agencies. But I didn't feel fulfilled. Uh, I guess a lot of it has to do with not feeling empowered being in front of the camera. And also I not, you know, which was very natural for me. I wanted to tell stories, right? So I transitioned to photography and went straight in uh, to work for um, newspapers because I thought I was going to be doing photo documentaries. So I uh, contacted the New York Daily News and then the rest is history uh, because I went to work with the New York Post and other publications. Uh, that taught me a lot. I learned how to, um, you know, because it's spot news, so I have to think on the spot, right? Everything was very fast-paced and uh, working with different people, different scenarios, different reporters. Every assignment, you know, was a different reporter. And I think that really kind of, like, uh, helped me be, I, you know, for lack of a better word, but more resilient, even though I don't like to use that word, uh, as a creative, right? Uh, helped me build stamina, but that's a better word, Um and uh, photography, of course, uh, led to, you know, uh, filmmaking. But they all kind of like fall under the umbrella of storyteller because this is what I am. I'm a storyteller. Even at a young age, I knew that I was a storyteller. And I come from a, a culture where storytelling is celebrated. Like storytellers are respected, you know. My grandmother was a, a, an amazing storyteller. Uh, so photography led to filmmaking. Uh, because there are different ways we can tell stories. And I will say that right now, because of where I am in my life as a mother, uh, that writing children's books is what is bringing me uh, some sort of fulfillment because I know that my son can benefit from them. And at the same time, I know other little boys and little girls can have uh, you know, um, stories and they can see themselves being heroes of their own stories because in my books, I do center them. I do celebrate them so and uplift them. Uh, so I will say that because I'm a, I'm a mom and I'm a new mom, I find it like kind of like exciting that I'm creating not just for the sake of creating or I'm creating uh, with, you know, with a specific uh, audience in mind. And because of what I've been through, 
every time I have uh, I have an idea, I ask myself this question, how is it going to benefit my son? How is it going to make a difference? What kind of impact do I need to make right now as a creative? Because uh, my creativity, my talent, my time, my energy, is uh, it's all um, currency, and I need to look at it that way. So I hope that answered your question. You know, I'm very grateful for, for the journey, but where I am right now, I think it's more of telling stories that have an impact, addressing topics and issues that I know that, uh, you know, maybe people have more conservative outlook on them or that I feel like are important for us to, to address. Now, you mentioned your book earlier, but tell us, you know, about I Am a Phenomenal Black Boy. What What is it about it that's so important? And how much do you think you got the male perspective right writing as a woman writing the book i wasn't thinking about the male perspective per se but i know i got the mother's perspective i know i I have the black woman the black mother mother's perspective that's kind of like what the lens was uh it's almost like a letter to my son a love letter to my son because i know that there are going to be a lot of different messages that he's going to receive that are going to be targeted towards him uh, as a young child, you know, as a black male, and I wanted to start early, right? I know that when he goes to school, they're going to tell him this and that. I know he's going to watch the news. They're going to have different narratives. I want to make sure that he has another narrative, a more uplifting, positive narrative to tell him, yes, guess what, baby? You are phenomenal. And this is why you are phenomenal. This is a little bit about history. Those are the people that came before you. Those are the people that paved the way. And, and, and you know, in the book, it's not just about uh, history or education and things like that. I also talk about, you know, teaching young boys. There's, a, there's an illustration of a young boy uh, meditating because uh, the black body, uh, I've seen it being violated so many times. So remember that I wrote the book when we were in the middle of the pandemic. We're still in the pandemic, but uh, that's when it started. So many things were unknown, you know, that fear was rampant. And also we had civil protests going on everywhere in the world. Black people protesting and, and advocating for themselves and literally saying, we are here, we matter. Like, why can't you see us? And I'm like, wow, uh, I'm blessed that I have a, a, a black uh, child, uh, you know, male that I'm raising. What do I need to tell him? What do I need him to know? And that's why instead of us succumbing to fear, surrendering to fear, I just took my power back as a mother and said, you know what? I'm going to write a book and I'm going to dedicate that book to my son and a book that other little boys, uh, other black kids uh, can also benefit from. Well, saying all of that, it makes me think in the future, how will you talk to your son about what's happening right now, where it is a very critical and crucial time to see how not just America, but the world looks at the black community. How do you think that the international media can enhance, perhaps, the reporting of the black community um, especially where race and policing is perceived. After all, everyone has heard about uh, George Floyd. Everyone has, you know, heard about Brianna. It's it's something that is on the lips of many people. How do you, so there's two questions here. How do you perceive you telling your son when he's older, this is a part of history that you were, you know, you were part of, and this is what he should get out of it. And then the second part of the question is international community. How can they, the black community, how can they ensure 
that our voices are heard and heard correctly? I think it's 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 media outlets, it's people like yourself that are doing the work that are amplifying uh, you know, strong black voices. It's creative, it's filmmakers, it's photographers who are putting different images out there. It's people who get involved politically at a local level and it's people who are not afraid to speak up you know, organizing and doing all that. I think this is kind of like, you know, and thank God for the internet. So if the history books are well, that are not written by us do not portray us accurately, but at least right now things are being documented. And and I think because he's so young, the way I will speak to you as an adult is not the way I'm going to speak to him. But, you know, uh, things like that happen. I read recently in an article how a little boy was violated at, at, at a daycare. So how do you talk to a child about race, right? I think it's really um, reinforcing and positive uh, stories about, you know, how we contributed to the world as a people. This is kind of like what my job will be, you know, with thought. So I will not talk to him about what's going on right now in terms of police brutality because he's too young for that. That's not what I will talk, but I will definitely make sure that he has like, you know, when it comes to representation, books and things like that and stories that he's exposed to all that. And I think all parents should really do that for all their children because this is the society that we live in, you know, a very diverse society. So I want that to be reflected in my home. At the same time, I do know that I have lots of homework to do when he becomes a teenager, right? When he starts being aware of society, of, of things work. Because uh, talking about like what's happening right now all over the world, like history, this is the, the, what we inherited. It's always been like that. There's an ugly history. Slavery did happen, you know, discrimination, racism, right? All of that needs to be taught. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as parents have to make sure that you're not only teaching your kids because you want them to be educated, but how do they, how can they, thrive in a society that's not always for them and teach them how to be street smart so they can survive like so this is something like i would say when he's 15 i hopefully i would you will not have to have this conversation hopefully there will be we will be living in a different world but if he or if let's say that i'm talking to a kid who's 15 right now to a young young adult the conversation will be like, how do you de-escalate? But we've seen situations where black people didn't do anything and they still end up being killed, getting killed. So uh, it's a, a very um, complicated like subject. You know, there are lots of layers uh, to it. And I, you know, I want to enjoy the, the innocent years right now where we uh, talk about, you know, you know, positive affirmation, we go for a walk, we enjoy nature, where he, he goes to the play date and then hugs all little kids. Nobody is, at least not from my end, I'm not thinking about race, right? At that particular, actually, you know, I do, because there are times where I'm like, oh, Lord, I wonder how is that going to change when he start looking like a man, how he's going to be viewed, because they don't look at them as a threat when they're that young. Not true. You know, you know, but we heard stories when they're seven, eight, and then how they're being treated in the school system. They get punished uh, more severely than other children. You know, it's just like it's in every, I don't really know how to answer this properly, to be honest with you. I feel like I'm just going around and around, but it's it's everywhere. When you think they are a group that's being protected because they're so young, then you read articles about daycare, uh, uh, mistreating them, you know, uh, uh, treating them differently than other children, then then it's like a wake-up call, Lord, we live in a racist society, we live in a racist world. Yes, oh, 
that's uh, that's sad to hear, but uh, unfortunately, that's the news that we're hearing about. But Francesca, can you tell us how your chosen metaphor, little by little the bird makes its nest, affects your life? Yes. Uh, so I am someone, I, I would say in the past, who always wanted things to be done right away. Uh, I, you know, the New York fast paced, you know, microwave type of mentality, like I love results. And uh, although I'm a filmmaker and in filmmaking is a long process, right? You have to be uh, patient with the process. I've uh, kind of like want that instant gratification. Like once I finish doing a project, it's like, what's next? So this is the first time in my life, I guess, through the lens of a child, you know, I, or, or, or through the lens of being a mother, I see my son when he was just crawling and I was like, I can't wait for him to walk. Mm. And he took his time and I saw him, then he started walking and now he's running. So it's kind of like you make me more grounded just watching him him being a teacher to me in that sense and also time so many things are out of our control and i know that things take time and i and i have to give myself time allow myself time we need time to heal time to process pain and time to create time to enjoy so i don't want to feel i don't want to watch anything right now in my life you know and that, that's one of my favorite saying Petit à petit, l'oiseau fait son nid, little by little, the bird builds neck. So I've seen many of your photographs and films over the years, and they've just looked fantastic in terms of not just the creativity, but how they've been produced. Everything just looks so excellent. I see all these different um, pictures of beautiful, gorgeous black women. You just seem to be, just capture them in such an amazing way that I've always thought, I have to get to you. You need to, to take a photograph of me. So I started thinking about, because we've known each other for so many years in my role as managing editor for She Caribbean magazine, and of course I featured many of your photographs, if you had to take a picture of me that shows me how you perceive me to be in my element, what would that picture look like? Oh, I guess I will capture you. It really depends. So I will definitely collaborate with you and come up with a mood board. Uh, we will discuss wardrobe because, you know, you've done this. You, you've produced multiple shoots, so you know how it works. Uh, but I, I think I will have you take the lead. But definitely, uh, you know, uh, in your own element in that sense, however you present yourself or however you want to, pre uh, to present yourself. But it will definitely be a collaboration. And I'm very easygoing when it comes, when I'm on set, you know, I will give you direction. But at the same time, it's also great to capture you and get a few candidates, uh, you know. Uh, I mean, I feel comfortable talking to you right now. Mm -hmm. So I'm sure that that will translate as well to the photographs. Uh, that's kind of like how I think I will uh, uh, photograph you. Uh, I'm not sure if I answered that question properly, but... I, I don't really, as long as I, I feel like I, I, have, I have a good connection with a client or a person that I'm working with, usually the process is easy. I'll probably ask you, hey, what kind of music do you like? Because I want you to be your best self that day. And then later on, it's like, you know, I'll, I might show you a few shots just to show you what's working, what's not working. But I usually make sure that, you know, that the, the woman or the, the person
person feels empowered because you know when we step in front of the camera all our insecurities come with that as well you know we don't think our hair looks good we don't like the way that pose you know that profile we never like that chick this and that yeah <laughs> and, and it takes someone to be like okay let me tell you something you look amazing this is what i want you to do can you turn this way can you turn that way do you see this i like that can we do more of that and then it's also about trust you trust somebody with your image but all this doesn't matter if there's not a connection between the photographer and and the client so but i i felt i feel comfortable and you know my work you know what you will be getting so mm -hmm. i think it will be a fun easy process <laughs> well i'm looking forward to that day where can people have a look at some of your work well my website is is um you know, francescaandrephotography.com. You can see some of my work, my portrait work, my editorial work and everything. I've, all, I've always been, I've worked for years. So I've, I, you know, work on several projects. My film is not available. I'm done uh, uh, doing festivals with it. So that's something I put on the side to focus on other things. And because uh, I did really two years, you know, talking consistently about colorism and showing the film and doing interviews about the film. And my book is available on, on, on several websites, Boss and Noble, Walmart, Target, and uh, Amazon, so people can purchase it that way. And at this point right now, it's like I'm, I'm going through a lot of different transitions in my personal life, and focus is really on my son as I'm continuing to build my, my brand. So, um, you know, and talking about things that matter to me, like I recently was featured in Forbes, where I talk about my work as a photographer, as well as why I don't like being called resilience, resilient. So, you know, I'm just expressing myself because this is what I do as a creative and I have other books coming up and hopefully I'll find time between everything else that I have going on in motherhood to write uh, freely, if that makes sense. Yes, it does. I think that um, given that platform, you're going to just keep on growing and I can't wait to actually meet you and your son in hopefully the very near future. I look forward to that till the You've been one of my longest industry connections and uh, thank you so much for, you know, being responsive and also creating a space for me to showcase my work. Um, I, I don't, I don't remember whether or not She Caribbean was one of the first magazine that published my work, but you were a powerhouse and you still are, you know, and still doing work and still celebrating women, uh, especially women of color and centering them and uh, sharing their stories. And, uh, you know, to have a, a magazine that was led by a woman of color like yourself, where people can see themselves in a positive light, that was really a great legacy, great work, great contribution. She Caribbean mm -hmm. was the essence of the Caribbean. That was our own. And as a woman, you know, of Haitian descent, the Haitian woman, I felt scenes in She Caribbean. And also saw, you know, when I, you know, when you have different women from different parts of the world being featured as well. I mean, what the world, I mean, in the Caribbean, it was great to kind of like read those success stories. We had our a space that belonged to us and you did that. So I'm so proud of you and I'm so grateful that we get to connect and uh, I'm, I celebrate you and I'm glad that we kept in touch. So thank you so much for all the work that you did and for pouring into me as well. Thank you. Oh, wow. Oh, I feel really happy now. You've just made my day. So thank oh, you. Thank, <laughs> thank you, Francesca. And I wish you all the best. Thank you so much. And I wish you the same. Thank you. Mm -hmm.
listening to people like Francesca's stories, especially when they're as unique as that. Now let's journey slightly further away from our guest and look back into our metaphor. Little by little, the bird makes its nest. Let's start by breaking down our phrase. Little by little reminds me of a previous expression we've had on the show, Progress, not perfection. By taking things one step at a time, we can break problems down into manageable tasks. We can take things one step at a time or even one day at a time. And of course, one moment at a time. Whenever people going through struggles in life, they get really cliche. They say stuff like, I'm taking it one day at a time. I'm just taking it one day at a time. You know who else is? Everybody, because that's how time works. <laughs> That's the only way you can take time. What were you doing in a week at a time before? Who are you and who taught you how to do that? Why don't you teach me how to do that? I want to get through this quicker too. The focus of the proverb is on making a nest which can represent building a home for the future generation. Building or the future new life, what's your future? The small things we do every day, learn skills, meet people, choices we make, are all building toward our future. Have you planned how to use each encounter as an opportunity? Thinking about someone like Steve Jobs, he's a prime example of how our metaphor reflects people, ambition, and building of themselves. Steve Jobs started as a visionary, a man with a plan to change the fact of electronics and create the modern world we are in today. Think about how many of you have an iPhone, MacBook Pro, iMac, you know where I'm heading. Without Steve Jobs, we wouldn't have any of these. Steve became one of the most influential men in the world by working every day to strive to his goal. He built his nest and used the people around him to help. But then, bit by bit, he built Apple into the company that it is today. If you can take anything from this week's metaphor, take the fact that we need to strive to push ourselves and surround ourselves with individuals that will believe in us and push us to become better. Think about what our guest said, how she got to where she is today, and how people like Alan Turing can make drastic changes by simply pushing themselves by doing what they love. You never know, you could be the next Steve Jobs. Believe in yourself and take time to build your nest and build it for those around you. And as always, smile and be positive. And like me, when I was faced with over a year's work to put together within a month, little by little, I learned a lesson. But I also had to pat myself on the back because I had finished my thesis much earlier than the deadline date. So it gave me more time to get it back together. So again, it was a sad thing, but at least I had a positive backup and, and all wasn't completely lost. 
I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Metaphorically Speaking. Thank you to our guest, Francesca Andre, for sharing her moments, which became structured little by little with us. Don't forget, if you'd like to suggest a metaphor for an upcoming show, you can reach us at msdelia at deliadelore.com and we'd love you to share the show with your friends or leave a review on colorful.com or on our podcast, Metaphorically Speaking, which is on Apple, Spotify and all major streaming platforms. We do depend on you to help us to grow. Without you, why are we doing this? We can't do it for ourselves. We have to do it for an audience who would like to know more about metaphors and are interested in our chosen guests. You can always send us one of the metaphors that you'd like us to research, or perhaps you'd like to be a guest. You know how to get in touch with us. Go to colorful.com, go to the presenters page. You'll see all the other metaphorically speaking shows there, and you'll find a way to contact me there as well. Join us for another metaphor next week. Until then, I'm Delia Delore. Keep safe.